0: Welcome to the Beyond Affairs podcast. We are Affair Recovery Specialists, Anne and Brian Bircht. For the past 20 plus years, we have dedicated our lives to helping couples and individuals just like you heal from marital betrayal. In addition to private intensives, we run weekend intensive experiences for groups including Healing from Affairs, Take Your Life Back, and Man of Honor. We're also the authors of the book, My Husband's Affair Became the Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me. While we're Christians and all our materials are biblically based, you'll feel comfortable and get help no matter what you believe. Our website is beyondaffairs.com. And now, here's your host, Anne Birchett. So one of the things that I would recommend for you, if you want to have a difficult conversation is to um, implement the 24 hour rule. So you're like difficult conversation. And and maybe as I'm talking, think about what some of the difficult conversations are that you might want to have. But um, a lot of times something happens and then we want to talk about it right away. Usually, not a good idea because you're not going to get the best result. Because as much as you're like dying to talk about it right then, you haven't really thought this through, you're still in an emotional state. And so, that's one of my secrets is and and what I mean by the 24 hour rule is wait before you have this conversation from the time something happens. And um, it takes a little self control. But the thing is, if this is really an important conversation it will be just in, as important in 24 hours. Like they're not that big of an, uh, um, an emergency, but a lot of times something really feels like it's very important and 24 hours later. It's not quite as important as we thought, and we could have, you know, made something difficult. So your goal in that 24 hours is to get your own emotions under control before you begin. Um, Another thing that you want to do in this time is get really clear about what it is that you really want to say or what it is that you want to ask. And I would recommend that you write it down. Um, A lot of times when I'm emotional about something and I have something I want to share with Brian, like especially if I got mad and let's face it, difficult conversations are often about when we got mad, I, I find that, um, I might write down two or three pages of stuff or type it. And, but when I look at it on paper, then I might say, okay, there's three key issues here that need to be addressed. And that clarity is going to right there, help me to have a much better conversation than if I just like unloaded all of that stuff um, on my partner And um, also by writing it down, um, when you begin, you know, you have your main point uh, in in mind. And so because most likely, you know, communication, there's always these rabbit trails, there's defensiveness, there's like, and your partner, if they're difficult sometimes to talk to, that's sometimes something they do. And sometimes it's not even something they're conscious or aware of. And so... Um, if you kind of know, like, oh, I'm talking about the fact that I don't feel like a priority, then all the other things, you know, you can just like stay focused on that and um, just keep coming back to it. It's, you know, I think that can be a, re- a really good thing to do. Um Another thing that I would recommend for um, like before you begin a conversation is to actually get input from a trusted friend or from a counselor first, because we are all blind when our own emotions are involved. Um, And another part of this is like, so there's like the what of what you're going to say, but also get clear about your motive. Why do you want to have this conversation? And, and what kind of response might your spouse give you that would please you? Because if you can't even think of what you are hoping, how you are hoping that they might respond, then the chance of you getting it is um, pretty slim. So know what your motive is. Like, what are you looking for? How are you hoping? What What do you want them to give you? Right. Is it? listening? Is it understanding? Is it empathy? Like, and, and again, we're, you know, as I take you through this, I'm going to ask you to give them, be the more mature person and give them what you're looking for, but make sure that your motive is for good and for healing. Like make sure your heart is in the right place, because if you're just angry and hurt, and you want to hurt somebody back, which is often what we do, you are not going, you know, you're not going to have a positive outcome from a difficult conversation. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. So, um, you know, as I go through some of these things, you might be thinking, yeah, no wonder I haven't been having good results. But um, so then when you begin a conversation, what you want to really be conscious of is to use a soft startup. You know, you want to start in a gentle way, like. Why weren't you home last night at five o'clock? Like, obviously that's going to go sideways, (laughs) right? Um, And it's hard to do because when you're in a fair recovery, trust is broken and that you're scared, you're hurt and you're scared and, you know, just realize that. But your goal here, if you want a good outcome is to keep things calm. Okay. So you need to keep yourself calm. Um, and I would recommend that you, some, that sometimes it can be a really good idea if you want a really good outcome, is to begin by looking for your own faults. And it often can be a really good idea to begin with an apology if you can do it honestly. Like, you know, if you're not getting along, probably you're not perfect either. And I'm not saying this always applies. Obviously, there's going to be many different difficult conversations. But if you can start with you know, taking ownership of something you've done, it really takes the other person, it puts them in a different mindset, right? It takes their defensiveness right down. And, and you might think as I go through some of these things, maybe some of the things feel, um, I don't know, like sometimes people will hear these communication skills and they'll think that they're manipulative. But honestly, I wish pe- everybody in my life would treat me this way. The the key is that it's sincere. It comes from a place of sincerity, um, and it's not what you say as much as your general demeanor and your delivery. So remember that your partner is going to pu- push back against attempts to be controlled, which is often what we're doing. Okay, so the moment you're trying to control your partner, you're you're gonna you're gonna get pushback. So, you know, that it's a hard thing to do, but remember you it's like you have to set them free. You have to invite them to be good to you, not try to control and force it. And um one of the main keys here is to to relax this part of it and to smile. So, um you know, the smile part is like the out of this part here that I'm sharing. There's, there's three keys that I want you to remember. Use a soft start, start up, keep things calm and smile. It will change things. Obviously you have to, again, be appropriate to what's being said, but um, it will make a big difference. Cause when people are in a positive frame of mind, they think more quickly and are, more likely to collaborate and they're more likely to problem solve as opposed to fight and resist. And that's what you're looking for. And I also want you to remember that anger is rarely productive. Rarely are you going to get what you want when you're in a state of anger. That's why I want you to learn to come out of that um, state of anger. All right. Um, So Another thing that's really important about having uh, difficult conversations, and we have a saying in this work that slow is fast, you got to slow it down. And um, tonight, as I was preparing, I decided to review a few ideas from um, a very interesting book, which um, if you... Like there's so many good books on communication that you can read. And I recommend doing that. I always tell people when you're in a fair recovery, it's not like you want to spend the whole year reading only books about affairs. Like I always say, read one story, read our book or read another one. If you want read um, one, that's kind of like how to recover from affairs book, like Shirley Glass is not just friends. And then move on to other books like a book on communication or self esteem or dealing with anger um, and these different aspects of life. But um, this one is very interesting because it's uh, and it's quite been quite popular. It's called Never Split the Difference and it's by Chris Voss. Well, the interesting thing is when I read this book, like who would think that an FBI negotiator and this is kind of a book on negotiating. And I'm reading the book thinking, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what we teach our couples. This is exactly like, I guess, healing from affairs can sometimes feel probably as intense as a hostage negotiation. OK, so it was very validating for me. But And maybe we don't like the word negotiate, but we are negotiating in marriage. And it's not necessarily wrong. And so, you know, um, be prepared to slow down your conversation. Um, You know, you want really some conversation. If you want conversation magic, you're going to have to be willing to give your spouse what it is that you wish that they would give you. But in doing that, you're kind of setting an example. You're being a role model and um, they'll turn around and, and do it. In a very different context, I remember a situation where um, this was a long time ago, um, not me and Brian, but when my oldest, our oldest daughter was dating her now husband, but they, at this point, they'd only known each other for a couple of months. And, you know, my daughter, the older one, she has a very feisty, um, passionate, outgoing personality. Anyway, she had a big fight with him. You got really, really angry. And she came home and she's telling me all about it. And when she's telling me about it, from what she said, I felt angry, you know, for her on her behalf too. And so I said to her, do you want me to try to talk to him? And she said, yes. So I said, okay, well then you gotta go. Cause I'm, I don't want you just like right here over my shoulder. i going to do this by myself. So she said, okay. So I was in my bedroom and and I used every one of these skills in talking with him. And I'm going to talk to you about mirroring. I'm going to talk to him. I worked on making him feel heard and understood. It was a very escalated um, situation. And um, I didn't get as far as I'd like. I don't know how long I talked to him, maybe 15 minutes. Sometimes it can take a little while to talk somebody off of something. And then my my daughter, who apparently wasn't, letting me have the privacy to talk to him by myself, was waiting right outside the bedroom door. She barged into my bedroom and said, are you going to start screaming at him or not? (laughs) So so I'm like, I got (laughs) to go. I have no more time. The interesting thing was he then did for my daughter exactly what I had just done for him. And it de-escalated the whole situation and it created like there was a peaceful resolve in the whole situation. And I was amazed at how powerful setting an example. I didn't know that it was I was doing. I was hoping like I'd have enough time to kind of hear him out and then I would be able to give him some direction is what I was thinking. But I didn't get that far, but I, what I had accomplished was setting an example. And you can do that in your marriage too. And notice that here I am using these skills I know, and the other person does not know the skills. One person gets it right. It changes everything. Um, so, um, where am I at? Um, the other thing that you want to keep in mind is a lot of times where we go wrong in difficult conversations is that we try to problem solve first, and that doesn't work. You've got to put listening first and then problem solve. So if I were to start to give you some steps, I'm going to say that step number one is to listen. Um and this is a good place to be, be the change that you want to see, the role model that I'm talking about. So you want to give to your spouse the kind of um, engagement that you're desiring from them. And I was going to share with you um, a little uh, excerpt here from, from this book. Um, psychotherapy research shows that when individuals feel listened to, they tend to listen to themselves more carefully and to openly evaluate and clarify their own thoughts and feelings. In addition, they tend to become less defensive and oppositional and more willing to listen to other points of view, which gets them to the calm and logical place where they can be good at getting to the yes and the problem solving. So be willing to listen first. Um, Then I want to talk about this concept of mirroring, which basically means that you reflect back what the other person has said and use their words, especially their adjectives. And then you would say something like, and you know, did I get that? And did I understand you correctly? Um, And another thing that you might say in a mirroring phase is, is there more about that that you want to say? So your, your goal here is to draw them out, but it's a psychological thing that we feel safer when someone is reflecting um, in the same way that we are. So sometimes I think with mirroring, it's more than that. It can be mirroring body language. It can be mirroring um, facial expressions, mirroring tone of voice, like matching. And you'll notice it with kids, like and probably if you know if you have kids or grandkids you might realize that you actually do this instinctively because it's just a really nice thing to do. Like if, you know, the child winks at you and you wink back, you know, then you feel kind of connected and closer. It's just simple little things. If somebody, um, you know, leans back in their chair and relaxes and you do the same thing, I don't know, there's a connection that happens. And we, we tend to do it when we're in a good place without even realizing it. Um, but in the mirror, what you're doing is you're making it about them. Um, and you're engaging the process with a mindset of discovery. And one of the things that you want to be very careful of, and this is where we go wrong as betrayed spouses is, is notice the assumptions that you're making and don't, and put them aside. In other words, don't assume. Because uh, if you want information, you're going to have to build trust and most likely you're assumptions are wrong. So, you know, we we engage in selective listening, hearing only what we want to hear, and our minds acting on a cognitive bias for consistency rather than truth. So, like, we we make up our minds what we think the answer must be. And then if our spouse isn't giving us that answer, then we assume that they're not engaging this. And then what happens is you get angry because you're not getting the information that you want, but you don't realize that you're actually responsible for that because you're listening with a bias. Because whatever is truth in the situation is probably not going to be what you think it is. And so you got to learn how to put that aside. So mirroring is basically like a, it's like a Jedi mind trick. And another part of this is, as you're learning how to do this, be be willing to allow the silence to fall in the room. Every space does not need to be filled in. You know, a few seconds of silence is really powerful and helpful in this, um, you know, stage. And your intention needs to kind of be a, please help me to understand. So a genuine curiosity. Um, and what you're looking for is you're looking for surprises. In other words, things that you don't already know and, and they're there, but you have to give the space for the other person to open up. So, um, you know, when mirroring is the art of insinuating similarity, which facilitates bonding and that's, that's ultimately what you're looking for. Um, so third I want would be to be able to validate the other person, especially validating their emotions, right? I understand how you feel. Now, another part of having a difficult conversation well is something that obviously is very difficult to do in a fair recovery because um, there needs to be trust for a difficult conversation to take place. And again, you know, I'm talking to you not your spouse's, um, so I'm going to ask you to give what you wish you had. I know you don't trust your spouse's if you're working on your marriage and you're um, fresh in this, but I, what I want you to know is your, your spouse's don't trust you either, which might seem really unfair. I get it that you're not the one that had an affair, but um, you may have been really hurtful in some of the things that you've said. Um, you may have times humili- humiliate them or shame them or drag them through the mud or make them feel pretty darn awful in those kind of ways. And when we're doing that, they're going to be afraid to have a conversation with us. And so again, you want to have a productive, difficult conversation. You want to change that. And so just keep that in mind that that you have a goal of creating trust. And also a goal of creating safety Um, because they also, like you, you have a voice in your head that's telling you all these things that you're scared of. They also have a voice in their head that is um, telling them all kinds of things like, you know, she's just going to get mad. This is going to be really hard. I don't know what their voices are telling them, but whatever those voices are, um, you want those voices quieted down so you can open up. Let's face it, you can't open up when you feel like you're going to be attacked, right? And And that's that's what we want. Um, then another step would be to empathize. this This is a really important step. Um, and you know, really, I would encourage all of you to make it a goal to become an expert at empathy. On a mostly unconscious level, we understand the minds of others, not through any kind of thinking, but through quite literally grasping what the other is feeling. Empathy is paying attention to another human being, asking what they're feeling, and making a commitment to understanding their world. So try to understand the situation from their perspective. So that the conversation that you want to have becomes a real conversation. It's my experience with Brian, especially when we were healing from the affair that, and, and I don't know how accurate this is, but it doesn't really matter. I just often felt like I had to give him the floor first before I got the floor. So I don't know if that's really true, but it's it felt that way. Okay so there's a point in that it's like be be willing to give but if I listened first I got everything I ever wanted with him listening to me so it was worth every bit and sometimes you're like that's not fair you're the one that's been betrayed like it should be the other way around well yes it should the bottom line is this is really hard and, and emotions are the reason why communication goes sideways so um Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Okay. Thank you for listening. This is Brian and Anne Birch signing out. We do seminars, coaching, and private intensives to help you. So we want to hear from you soon. We care about your story. And don't forget to check out our book, My Husband's Affair Became the Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me. Our phone number is 360-306-3367. And again, that website is beyondaffairs.com. All right, stay strong.